Welcome to Covenant Word of Faith Ministries, where we are no ordinary church. We are moving forward. Every week, transformations are taking place in the lives of people. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Several years ago, I was cutting grass one day, and I was just on my lawnmower, riding around, you know, the backyard, cutting grass, and I heard something similar to what this little uh, video was portraying there, where somebody, oh, I got this cancer, or I got this big problem, or whatever, 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 and and then it's all of a sudden, I, I just saw, like somebody, a minister, whoever say, well, God won't put more on you than you can bear, and you know, and I, I thought, well, I've heard that a lot of times, you know, I've, I've, I've seen pastors, you know, other preachers, or whatever, say that many times. You know, and I'm just minding my own business, just cutting my grass. And all of a sudden, over the sound of the lawnmower, I mean, it, was, it wasn't an audible sound, but it was on the inside of me. It was like a big sound off on the inside of me that said, I'm not the one putting it on them. Woo! You know, I mean, it shook me. It really did. I had to cut the lawnmower off and get off my lawnmower. I came in the house. I, I said... Phyllis like, what's going on? You didn't get through cutting the grass. I said, no, I just heard God speak to me. I said, God just spoke to me loudly that he's not the one putting it on them. And she said, what do you mean? What are you, what are you talking about? I said, you know how we've heard so many times that God won't put more on you than you can bear. Yeah, we've heard that all of our life. And I said, but God said, I'm not the one putting it on them. I said, I got to find that scripture. I got to find that. We're, we're, that's got to be a scripture in the Bible. Uh, so many people have said it, and I've heard it from the pulpit so many times, and, and, and I've heard it from so many Christians. There's got to be a scripture that says that. And so I went to digging in the Bible, and I went to looking up any way I could, and there's one scripture that this saying comes from. And I want us, that's the scripture I want us to focus in on today. Amen. This is the word of the Lord today. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and this is where that saying comes from. Now, I want us to read the truth. I want us to see the totality of what God is saying here. No temptation. Somebody say temptation, first of all. Okay. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody say that. God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's where that saying comes from. Now, if you just take that little last part of that, then maybe you could get that saying out of that. But you got to take the whole thing. you got to take everything that God is saying here. First of all, it's saying God is faithful. He is faithful, and with the very temptation, the very thing that is tempting you to doubt or tempting you to be sick or, or whatever it might be, the very temptation, God said, I will make a way of escape. Amen. Amen. God will make a way of escape. 
So if God is making a way of escape, then he's not putting things on us that would keep us in bondage, would he? He's not putting sickness and, and disease upon us and keeping us in bondage of some sort if God is the one that makes the way of escape. Amen. So what that tells us is there's something else happening in this world. That there's another enemy of God or an enemy of the Christian, an enemy of what God wants to bring forth in our lives. And the Bible is very clear of who that enemy is, right? Can anybody tell me? The devil, Satan, Lucifer. He's got many different names, right? So the enemy of God, the enemy of a believer, the enemy of humankind. You may be, you know, maybe somebody watching online today say, I don't even believe in God. Well, you still got an enemy. You still got an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's another verse for another day, but I got to plug that in here so, so this will make sense. This is, this is how you will always know if it's God doing something or if it's the devil doing something. This, this, this will take all doubt out. The devil or the thief, the Bible calls him, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that you're going through, any battle, any attack on your body, any family issue, anything that you may be dealing with, if it is stealing, killing, and destroying, then you know it's from the devil. God's not putting it on you. Is, is cancer stealing, killing, and destroying? Then God don't put cancer on you. God don't put uh, um, any kind of sickness or disease on people to try to teach them some kind of lesson. You wouldn't put cancer on your child to teach them a lesson, would you? Do you think your heavenly father then would be any less merciful and loving to his child? No. See, we have to reason these things out. We have to realize that we have such a loving God, a loving Father, that He is not looking to put something bad on us that we can just walk around and we're toting all this heavy load and saying, well, God won't put more on me than I can bear. Oh, this is such a heavy cross I'm bearing. This is such a heavy thing. See, God is not looking to burden you down. He's looking to lighten your load. Amen. Jesus said, come follow me. If you're burdened, if you're weighted down, I'll make your load light. And that's the way it is. When we follow Jesus and we submit our lives to Jesus, He makes our load light. Now, reading this verse and having my thoughts go back to this time that God spoke this to me, I couldn't help but to think about Joseph. Now, those of you who have been in church for a while, you know the story of Joseph and how his brother sold him into slavery and he went uh, working for Potiphar. He was sold as a slave and he was in Potiphar's house. Y'all remember that? If you don't know the story, you can look it up in Genesis chapter 39. It'd be good for you to read that whole thing about Joseph and all that Joseph did. But he was sold as a slave in Potiphar's house and he was there. He, the Bible says he was a very handsome guy. He looked a lot like Tyler. He's very 
tall and broad and, and handsome, you know, and, and, and had good looks about him. And, and Potiphar's wife started looking at him. Potiphar's wife started giving him the eye and checking him out. She wasn't at the library either. She was checking him out. Amen. Y'all get that. Y'all get that when you get home. <laughs> she was checking him out and said, Woo, this Joseph is a good looking fella. And Potiphar had put him in charge of everything in his household, but he knew he wasn't in charge of his wife. And so Potiphar's wife started making some advances toward him and telling him how good looking he was. And, oh, Joseph, you do such a good job with that. Oh, you nobody works this house like you do, Joseph. And, and man, she was flirty, flirty, flirty and, and, and telling Joseph all these things. But how many of you know Joseph, first of all, was submitted to God? He was submitted to God. That's the reason God could bless everything that Joseph did. No matter that he was sold as a slave, he was still blessed. He got put in prison, he was still blessed. No matter where he went, no matter what he touched, it was just blessed and blessed because he was serving God. He was committed to God. But Joseph used five steps to get out of this situation. He used five things... And I believe these five steps can be used no matter what temptation. You may have a, a whole different temptation that, that you know, you're tempting to doubt God for your healing. Or maybe you're tempting to uh, doubt God for restoration in your marriage. Or you're, you're tempted to, uh, you know, look at the opposite sex. Whatever it might be. Whatever the temptation is. It don't have to be a sexual temptation. It could be a lot of other temptations that the enemy is trying to get you off of the promises of God. Trying to get you not to look at what God has said and what God has promised. And so Joseph used these five steps in order to get away from this situation. Number one, first step he, t he did was he took responsibility for his choices. He took responsibility for his choices. In this day and time that we live in right now, in our culture, nobody wants to take responsibility for their choices. They want to do whatever they want to do, and whatever consequences come out of those choices, they want to blame it on somebody else. We see that in the political realm. We see it from the president on down that, you know, the choices I make. It's not my fault that the, you know, gas prices are going to, you know, heading toward $4 a gallon. It's not my fault I could see the writing on the wall two years ago. But here's the thing. When we take responsibility for our choices, we, we're, we're, we're looking at these situations and we say, look, you know, I, I, it's my, it, I'm the one that's responsible for the consequences that happen in my life. I'm the one that's responsible for the choices that I make. I can't blame it on the culture. I can't blame it on somebody else. I can't blame it on my parents. I can't say it's just a generational thing. No, it's, it's my responsibility. And that's the first thing that we have to do. If we're going to get out of the temptation, if we're going to get out of the situations that the enemy's trying to hem, up, hem us up in, if we're going to be able to flee that and get out of that, we're going to have to take responsibility. We're going to have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, look, with God's help... 
All things are possible. I'm going to get through this. This, this thing is going to turn around. I'm going to make right choices. Even no matter what everybody else does, I'm going to make the choices that I know God would be pleased with. I'm taking responsibility for that. Now, number two is uh, a word that some of, you, some of you probably don't know about. But he recognized sin. Oh, did he say the S word? Yes. He recognized what she was trying to get him to do, which, which was to have an affair with her or to commit adultery. It would be adultery for her. It would be fornication for him. Now, the culture we live in today don't even know what the word fornication means. Amen? I mean, think about it. How many young people do you know say, well, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't really want to go out and fornicate, but, you know. <laughs> no. They don't even know what the word means today. Fooling around. They say, well, we, we're just fooling around. <laughs> we're just fooling around a little bit. Uh, we try each other out like you try a car out. You know, you go down to the car dealership. You try it out before, before you make any, before you sign any papers or anything. You know, you go try it out a little bit. You know, so we just, so we're still in that little trying out phase, you know. And the culture says, oh, that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> Joseph recognized this is sin. This is sin. Do you know, do you know what uh, sin means? You ever looked it up? You ever just looked up? See, what, what, what is, what's the meaning of sin? Because you got so many people say, well, what's a sin to you? It's not a sin to me. You know, you're doing your thing. I'm doing my thing. I, you know, uh, just because it's a sin, just because you think it's sin, don't mean it's sin to me. You know, don't be judging me, cause you know you're on you're on your own judging thing, and then you know don't be judging me and everything. So you know, don't be calling, don't be saying what I'm doing is a sin, because you know you do you you know what they say, everybody sins every day. How many of you don't raise your hand, but just got up this morning and said, you know what, I'm just gonna purposely sin today. I like to say, don't raise your hand. <laughs> I hope none of you, and I hope none of you watching online, just got up and said, I'm going to sin today because everybody sins. You know that? It's just everybody does it every day, and then nobody's, nobody's sin, no worse than anybody else's. So I'm just going to sin. No, here, here, here's what sin means. It is an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. Another word for divine law is God's word. So you have to have a standard. You have to have something to measure your actions by. There has to be something that, that you say, okay, this is this is right thing to do, or this is the wrong thing to do. And the world that we live in, the culture we live in today, don't want us don't want you to have any standards whatsoever. As long as it's not hurting anybody, as long as you're not breaking the laws of the land and it feels good, then you can do it. But does that change? The divine laws of God, does it change His word any whatsoever? Not at all, does it? So an, an immoral act, there's action involved. In the moral act, there has to, there has to be a measuring uh, line, something that you can say, okay, this is immoral or this is not immoral. This is right 
or this is not right. And the culture, you, you, you have to realize, don't allow the culture to brainwash you and to water down the divine law of God to the point that you don't think it's really harming to, to do these things that the Bible says we shouldn't do. Because in the same divine law, it says the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is death. Well, God, I didn't know. I didn't go to church. I didn't know it was a sin, God. You know, I just didn't know. I, I, you know, I watched my daddy and my mama. They did this stuff, and everybody around me did this stuff. So, you know, I just really didn't know. You going you won't still send me to hell because I didn't know, did you? Did, would you, God? You see, God's not sending anybody to hell. We're all on our way to hell until we get born again. Now, here, 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 here goes another thing. Well, I was born that way. I was just born that way. I was, you know, this just the way I was made. I was born. I can't help. You know, the Bible says that's wrong. You know, I, I could say, uh, I was born to be a womanizer. I was born into lust. I was born to, to, to run around and find me ever how many women I could be with. I was just born into that. I saw my daddy, and man, I was just born into that. I, I, I mean, it was in my genes. <laughs> I was born into that. Oh, I can't help it. All the, science, uh, the, the psychiatrists say, well, son, it's okay. You were born that way. It's okay. It's all right. You just go get you a bunch of uh, sister wives, you know. You just get you a whole bunch of wives. You just get as many wives as you want and all this stuff. You were born that way and it was all right. But let me tell you something. Let me tell Mr. Psychiatrist something. Let me tell uh, science something. I was born again. I was born again. I was born again and lust had to go. I was born again and I took on the very nature of Jesus Christ. I began to, uh, the, the spirit of the living God came within me. And the spirit of love came in me. I was born again and I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Don't you allow the people of this world to tell you just because you were born into sin that you've got to stay in that. No, you don't have to stay in that. You can be born again and you can come out being the man that God has called you to be, being the woman that you, you didn't go there, did you? Yes, I did. Man and woman, you can be that that God has called you to be. Amen. There ain't no aliens around here. The only aliens that they are that I know of is demons. Now, I ain't hating on nobody. Hey, I love you. I love y'all. I love every one of you. I love every person. I don't care what they think in their mind. But listen, we are born into sin. We are born into thinking that this is okay and that's okay and I need to do this and I live, live, live this way and this lifestyle and so forth and so on. We're all born into that. But when we're born again and the Spirit of God comes in us, He changes us. 
Amen. I'm not the womanizer that I used to be before I started dating Phyllis. I'm not the one that's always looking for, you know, another lustful situation to get into, you know. I'm not that same person. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. And everybody, say everybody. Everybody can be born again. Everybody can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Well, my psychiatrist said that's the way I had to be. Your psychiatrist might be wrong. Because the Bible says in Christ Jesus you are a new creation. Amen. Jesus can make you brand new. Number three, he had respect for God. He had respect for God. As she was pulling on him. Miss Patty, can I borrow your coat? I know your coat. Can I borrow that for a second? Thank you. I don't mean to put you colder, but I'll give, I'll give it back to you in just a minute. So the Bible says Joseph had some kind of coat on. This may be a little bit small for me. I'm sorry. Okay. So... Joseph had a coat on. And Potiphar's wife, come here, Jordan. You, you're the only one that can play this part. <laughs> Amen. Now, I want you to be pulling on me like you want me to get in your arms and stay in your arms. I know you're my daughter. <laughs> but I want you to just stop. Just, just grab a hold and pull. I, I, you know, I serve God. I have respect for God. Uh, I, I, I'm not gonna. I, no, Ooh, I'm getting out of here. Leaving my coat in her hands. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Joseph did. Joseph, thank you, Jordan. We didn't, we didn't stretch your coat too much. I hope. The Bible says that Potiphar's wife grabbed a hold to him, wanting him to stay in the, it was just him and her in the house that day. Ooh, all the other servants are out in the field working, and Joseph in there cleaning the dust off, I guess, or whatever he was doing. And Potiphar's wife said, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm, I know what I'm going to have for lunch today. Oh, I'm going to have dessert before lunch. <laughs> and she grabbed a hold to him. And the Bible says that Joseph left his coat in her hands as he fled. He got out of there. He fleed. He fled. He took the escape. God provided a way of escape that he would be able to bear it. And he took the escape. He got out of there. He, he, he had so much respect for God that he served. He said, I'm not going to sin against God. I'm not going to sin against Potiphar that has put me in charge. I'm taking the way of escape. And he got out of there just as fast as he could. Let me tell you something, young folks. You need to get out of situations where you are being tempted greater. You need to get out of there as quick as you can. As, as uh, husband and wife, let me tell you something. Let me, I know, I, I know that you know 
may not be as many husband and wives here, but we got a few. Listen. Don't be looking up your high school sweetheart on Facebook and send them a message. How you doing? You remember when and start reminiscing about some dates that y'all had back there in high school or whatever the case might be. You need to get out of that. Now, if you've got a fella uh, messaging you and saying, hey, how you doing? Oh, so good to see you again. So good. I see your picture. And and we just want to carry on the conversation. You need to get out and block them if you have to block them. But get out of that situation just as quick as you can. When you uh, have some turbulence in your marriage. Amen. And there's going to be some turbulence in your marriage sometime. There's going to be some turbulence every now and then. Don't go to the opposite sex that you work with and say, you know what, I'm just having trouble in my marriage. My wife just ain't, she just ain't, she just ain't right no more. She's always nagging about something, always fussing about something, you know, and, and on and on and on. And, and before you know it, they're, they're, well, you know what? I'm having problems at home myself. My husband ain't doing right. My husband, all he don't never stay at home. He's always gone. I'm just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that thing just leads. One thing leads into another. And before you know it, you ain't took the way of escape. You got yourself in a situation that you really don't want to be in. Now, by having respect for God, the God that you serve, the God that you are committed to, if you've made that commitment, that's the reason so many people in the world don't have no problem with this. People in the world, they ain't committed to God. You know, God ain't nowhere in their life. They don't have no standard. They don't have nothing to look at to say, well, this is wrong and this is right. You know, they just, man, they got that Burger King religion. And, man, if it feels good, they, they have it their way. Whatever it is, you know, if, it, if they want to do it, they just go do it. You know, as long, as long as it don't get them in prison or something, they just go out there and do it. And then they fall into such messes in their lives. And, and, and so many marriages are destroyed. And so many children's lives are destroyed. And, and, and all kind of things happen in their lives where, where they wind up suffering. They're in so much suffering and pain. And they don't even realize where it's coming from. They're blaming them on everything else and everybody else, but yet their own choices, their own acts of sin against the divine laws of God has brought these things, many of these things. I'm not saying 100% everything bad happens to somebody that's because they sin. I'm not saying that at all because even as Christians, we're going to have some attacks. We're going to have some things to happen in our lives. And I don't want you thinking just because something bad has happened in your life that you committed some kind of sin, but that is a possibility. That's something that we always have to search our heart and say, okay, God, did I open this door some way? Did I sin? Did I do something against your will? Have I gotten out of line with you in some way, God? I want to search my heart. And, And when you do that, God will reveal to you if there's been something out of line. But if God don't reveal anything to you, you know you're doing your best to live for him, then it's just an attack of the enemy. Just like with Joseph, this whole thing, he's just doing his job. He's just in there doing what he's supposed to do. But now, you know, this woman's wanting him to have this adulterous affair with him. And he, he gets out of there. He escapes that situation. But it makes her mad. 
And it makes her so mad that when her husband gets home, she says, Potiphar, you know that servant Joseph? Oh, yeah. Oh, what a good job he's doing. No, he ain't doing a good job no more. He tried to rape me today. What? Oh, yes. He come in this house. Oh, he jumped on me. He tried to drag me to the bedroom. Oh, he was awful, Potiphar. He was awful. And Potiphar believes everything she says. And says, take Joseph and put him in prison. Put him in prison. And there he stayed for a long time. But God even blessed him in prison. So just because you do something right and you do something that is moral that, that you know that, that God is pleased with, that don't mean everybody's going to be happy about it. That don't mean everybody in the world is going to pat you on the back and say, that's good. I'm so glad that you're, you're, you and your husband have a good relationship and you're married and you're having children. I'm so proud of you. You know, the, the world is not going to pat you on the back for living for God. Matter of fact, the time that we're living in now, they get madder and madder. They get more and more upset at conservatives, at Christians, at people that are, they call them Bible thumpers or Bible believers or whatever, you know. And they're constantly, from the media on out, from the president on down, are constantly knocking people that believe in the Word of God. And even some of those same people will stand before millions of people and say, I believe in God. But you let, you let them think the mic's off for a few minutes and you'll find out what their true color is. You'll find out what's really in their heart. By They didn't know the mic was on. They didn't know everybody was going to hear what they said about this or that. You'll find out what their true colors are then. You see, Joseph had respect for God. And number four, he refused to be alone with the temptation. He refused to be alone. See, the enemy wants to isolate you. The enemy wants to get you alone in a situation. He wants to get you alone in the opposite sex situation. He wants to get you alone when you're dealing with depression. He wants to get you alone when things are happening in your life, whether things are happening in your marriage or whatever it is. He wants to isolate you because, let me tell you something, isolation will cause you to begin to hear voices of the enemy, and that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to depress you. He wants to pull you down more and more and more. He wants you not to be around believers. Why do you think it's so important? Why do you think that God himself said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even the more so when you see that day approaching? Because as you're with believers and you come to church and, and you're around other people that believe in God and you're hearing worship songs, what's happening in your, your faith is being built in God himself in the promises of God. But when you're isolated and you're in quarantine and you're away and, and, and the enemy's got you uh, by yourself, that's when he can take advantage of you the most. And Joseph knew that. I can't stay alone with this woman. I can't be in here with this woman by myself. I've got to get out. I've got to get out of this situation. 
And you and I need to realize that is, that is part of the escape that God gives us. There is great power in the counsel of many God-fearing people. There's great power in that. That's the reason you don't need to just go out and make decisions, do this, do that, whatever. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to divorce my husband because he's acting crazy and I'm just going to get a divorce. No, you, you need to spend some time around some other believers and you need to get some godly counsel in that. You need to, you need to really pray about that and think about that because let me tell you something. And, the, and this is not to bring condemnation to anybody that's gone through a divorce. These are just facts. These are facts that married people need to hear and, 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 and need to realize and think about before they just jump out there and have a divorce. Because in this culture we live in, divorce is just all, you know, it's just casual thing. You know, yeah, hey, yeah, you went through the trying out period and went ahead and signed the papers and six months later you find out they snore all night long or whatever it is. And so you just, 300 bucks, you go to the lawyer, you get your divorce and, you know, move on to somebody else. Oh uh, no. And sometimes, you know, it ain't six months, it's it's five years and you got kids involved, you know, you got little ones and so forth. Here to today divorce is so acceptable. Our culture has endorsed it so strongly. Most are so nonchalant about it, you never hear much concerning its consequences. But five years after divorce, more than one third of children experience depression. Kids from divorced families are less successful in life than children from intact families, especially in their careers and their relationships. Now, that, don't, that didn't say 100%, okay? Like I said, this is not to bring condemnation to nobody because you may, you may have gone through this already. You may be in the middle of this situation. This is just saying a big percentage of these things happen. The great majority of children from divorced families say they want their original family back together. After a divorce, custody usually goes to the mother, and about half of all single mothers live below the poverty line on average for six years. So the effect that it has on the children, on others, I mean, it takes a domino effect. I remember when I was a kid, and my mom and dad never divorced, but they had talked about divorce a lot. They fussed, they fought. And I remember, I was probably about five, maybe four or five years old. And, and we had one of those little stools, you know, little, little what do you call, stools you prop your feet up on. And, 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 and I was laying on that stool. I was laying across that little stool. Mom and Daddy was fussing. They were, and, and all of a sudden, you know, they said, well, we'll just get a divorce then. And, and I don't know if it was my mom or my dad, but one of them looked at me and said, who do you want to go live with? You want to live with your mom or you want to live with, with your dad? And I mean, it, it literally felt like I was torn in half as a little kid because I loved mama and daddy. I could never visualize being in a household without either one of them. It hurts. And if you've come, gone through that and you've gone through a, a divorce family situation, you know how it feels. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to destroy. He wants to divide families. He wants to tell people, you know, hey, don't get canceled. Just go out and get, get divorced. Don't even think twice about it. Let me, let me tell you, in this church, everybody before you get a divorce, you need to, go, you need to have some canceling meetings with Miss Barbara. 
Can somebody say amen? Will you be all right with that, Miss Barbara? The counsel with Miss Barbara. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, number five, and in closing. He left as soon as he could. He fled. He took the exit. He took off. He got out of that situation just as quickly as he could. And that's what we have to do. Whatever temptation, whatever situation it seems like that, that hey, I'm battling this. This is something I don't want to bear. I, I, I want, you need to get out as quickly as you can. If somebody's telling you, hey, you probably got the this, that, and other disease, and it's going to kill you, and all that stuff, you need to get out as quick as you can. If you go to the doctor, and the doctor looks at you and says, you know what, I can tell by looking at you, you know, you ain't got six months to live. You, you just got, I can see disease all over. You need to get out as quick as you can. Find you a different doctor. Can somebody say Amen. You need to find somebody that's a Christian. Counseling is good, but you need to find a Christian counselor. You need to find somebody that's got the Spirit of the Lord in them that's going to lead you and guide you in the right way. You don't need just somebody in the world counseling you that maybe don't believe in, in God whatsoever. You know, today's big uh, sermon preached all over is believe the science, believe the science, believe the science, believe the science. Anybody seen that? Anybody heard that maybe? Believe the science. Believe the science. Believe the science. It's a sermon that's being preached all over right now. And then I saw an article that said, this scientist believes there is no life after death. You going to believe the science? I don't think so. Science is great. I'm not knocking science. Science has come a long ways and science has, has helped people get over cancer a whole lot faster and a whole lot better in the last 20 years. I'm not knocking it. But at the same time, you don't need to totally sell out to it either. You, you need to totally sell out to God and His Word. And when science and the Word of God come across one another, and science says you need to go this way, and the Word says you need to go that way, you need to go in the way of the Word. Amen. I love you scientists. I love what you do. Uh, you're, you're very intelligent people and you do a lot of good things. But you know what? I'm going with God. I'm going with the Word of God. I'm going with what God said. Amen. And if you'll do that, you'll escape so many things that everybody else in the world is saying, I'm having to bear this. I don't know why God put this on me. I'm just having to bear this. But you can be the one that's saying to them, hey, listen, God loves you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to set you free. God wants you to be healed. He wants you to be set free from depression. He wants you to be set free from cancer. He wants you to be set free from uh, uh, marital issues. He wants your marriage to last over a long, 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 long time. Amen. And he wants you to live a long, 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 long time. If Jesus don't come back here in, in, in the next uh, 60 years, let me say it that way. If Jesus don't come back in the next 60 years, I plan on still being here in 60 years. Yeah. 
And that's the way you need to be. You need to be that way as well. And say, you know what? If, if, if Jesus comes back, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Any time, any moment, any day now. But if he don't come back, and you just, whatever your age is, you take it up to 120, and you subtract that difference and say, if Jesus don't come back, if it's 50 years, if it's 90 years, whatever it is, you say, I'm planning on being here. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Amen. God's not putting nothing on me that I can't bear because anything that I face is common to man. Every, every man in the world has to face the same situation. But God has given me His Spirit. He's given me His Word. He's given me power. And I can stand up and I can continue to go where God wants me to go. Amen. Y'all stand with me today. Hallelujah. If I don't pray for everybody, we might get out today before 12. 35 or so. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I know last week was a very long time, and, and I thought, my, if we'd have had somebody new visitor, they might have said, I ain't going to stay in this church. My goodness, we, we, went a, we went all the way to 130, and I got thinking, we had somebody that was new here, Havana. And she stayed all the way to the end. And she came back. And she said, you know what? I like this church. It kind of reminds me of a church I used to go to. And, and you know, I like this. I thought, that had to be the Spirit of God. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So good having you, Havana. Having everybody. Those of you watching online, we want you. We want you to be here. If you're far away and can't get here, just keep watching online and come when you can. But if you're close by, come on, be with us. This COVID stuff is over. I mean, my goodness, they wore this thing out as much as they could wear it out. And finally, even the even the people that's pushing it and pushing fear and all that, they finally have to admit, you know, it's over. <laughs> Take your mask off. I'm so tired of seeing people riding down the road by themselves with a mask on. <laughs> I mean, that lets you know just how the, how this has been put in people's heads. I've seen people walking down the road by themselves with a mask on. Choking. <laughs> I don't want to get COVID. I'm not making fun of them, but my goodness, you know what? It's over. Glory to God. Come on now. Come on, be with us. Amen. Yeah, if you still I feel like you need to wear a mask, wear it. But come on, be with us. We love you. And listen, if you're watching, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let me tell you something. You might have been born into sin. You might have been born, feel like you, you know, whatever. But you can be born again. Jesus Christ can come in your life, in your heart, and you can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you can look to the divine law of God, His Word, and begin to see how you need to line your life up. And once you, once you see it and you begin to line your life up with it, my goodness how much things get better. Don't they, church? How, my, how many things get better in our lives? Man, I tell you what. Mm, mm, mm. I just want to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to pray this with me. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus, pray this. If you're here today and you know Jesus, pray this. 
So I think it just about includes everybody. Father, I come before you today. I love you so much. I am fully committed to you. My heart is full of your spirit. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I am born again. I'm not the same person that I used to be. I don't go the same places. I don't do the same things. Thank you, Father, for giving me your word that I can line my life up with, that I can escape all of these things that try to come upon me, that I can bear it by the Spirit of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Give him the best praise you can. Hallelujah. I tell you, I feel that now. I feel that in my spirit. And so many people could come out of different lifestyles if they just realized they could be born again. Amen. And have a whole new nature about them. Praise the Lord. Did I dismiss them yet online? I'm sorry. I dismiss y'all in the name of Jesus. We love you. If you got a prayer request, please send it in to us. We'd love to see you, hear from you. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the message received from the Lord. If you would like to give into this ministry, you can go to our website at www.turnaroundcc.org. Thank you.